Last time on Dice Funk. First of all, has everyone whose nightmares manifested been to the bar recently? 23. Ooh, slime. With a 23, you ate a priest once and you recognize the alterations. This uh, definitely looks like a symbol for the dream realm. Please cease from trying to kill me. Also, who sold you this glyph? Potter has just described to us a Baku, which are things that live in the dream time. I mean, if this thing wants to eat dreams, there's plenty of dreams out here in the physical world. Come eat those ones. You are all a farm, much like the vegetables we made to suffer so we could consume. And the the, the machine is sending you essentially these two parallel visions and saying, uh, without your intervention, uh, the, the Tulpa and the Baku will be defeated, but Neelith will benefit. If you, if you, however, take initiative, you can benefit and you can become the master of dream time and wield the power of the Tulpas. Uh, so I brought the, uh, the drink for Potters. <laughs> the Molotov, yeah? Yeah, I'm going to splash it on this goblin and then cast uh, Shocking Grasp and try to uh, explode them on fire. Uh, okay, with the 24, I think you know uh, that the Baku is in the, the dream time, obviously, but also you know what alterations could be made to the sigil to transport the team into the dream time. You could have been magnificent. You could have been magnificent. Look how little you are. It makes getting things out the back of the cupboards a lot easier being this size. <laughs> and then you just blast him into the spiders. An egregore is an entity made up of the thoughts of an entire community. Think of it as, like, a group tulpa. Are you suggesting we we take control of the dreams and pilot them as our own big amalgam of dreams, like some kind of, uh, like, Megazord or Voltron or similar, but of dreams? self-promote because fuck it why not i helped make a tabletop game and i'm gonna tell people about it i helped make a tabletop game called kissing in the weird future oh wow it it, it is made in conjunction with uh jessica grimes and goji of the podcast more like guidelines uh it is a this game where you hop around dimensions going to different planets trying to trying to make romance happen between aliens because People have been trying to fuck up the timeline by breaking up relationships, and you've got to help existential meat monsters and void-based sparkle beasts. Just make them smooch each other. Make Work out what makes them want to smooch. So uh, it sounds like a mix between, like, Doctor Who and Monster Prom kind of in one. That is 100% the vibe. I am glad you were on the right track there. Yeah, so, like, yeah. So if, if, you're, if you like both of those things, you know... Might as well check it out. So how do they find, how can they find the game? 
if you go check out the Don't Hurt Birds Patreon, you can go find a free download to the game, which is a couple of pages of rule sheets, and there is also like an hour-long podcast you can go listen to where we workshopped the basic rules and structure and lore of the game in an hour. Uh, there was a lot of stuff that had to happen after that, but we basically <laughs> invented it in an hour. Yeah, so I think it's it's definitely really uh, great to hear, and I think it'd be great for us all to just kind of hear people's play experiences because that's really kind of where the fun is. You Go know? play! It's 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 very it's very gay. It's an opportunity for you to just be very role play heavy, very rules light. Do a bunch of weird gay alien stuff. So yeah, yeah. So like you know, it's like be gay do crimes, fix alien romances, you know, that's, uh, exactly. sounds like a, that's, that sounds like a three point list of attack right there. Fantastic. The whole appeal to me for Dungeons and Dragons is not the intricate rules, which I respect anyone who does really like them. Cause I can understand why people would, but for me, it's like, you're using the best graphics engine known to man, your imagination. And you're basically just playing like, you know, recess role play with your friends but with cool rules aligned with them. Exactly. What if you had to work out how a gelatinous, argumentative, tentacled, handsome, sticky monster would smooch? How would that smooch? Why do I imagine, like, a horrible monster, but with, like, Johnny Bravo hair? That's up to you. You can make that what you do if you want. (laughs) You don't have to just imagine it. You could smooch it, or... Help it smooch someone else that it tries to smooch as necessary, you know? Austin, how do we D&D? What are we doing? Where were we? We Are we fighting something? Are we, are we, doing, are we doing fights? Last we left the adventure, uh, the, the team uh, figured out what was going on in the village, which is that a, a Baku, a kind of yokai that eats dreams, has altered a sigil on the dogberry uh, to basically bring to life the nightmares of the inhabitants um, to make the best possible food for themselves. Uh, the genius of Grendel, uh, through a magical book, learned how to alter the sigil to enter uh, the dream world, and that's where we left it. And uh, we could spend some time discussing things more. We jump right into it. How do you all feel? Up- upon first entry, how much is this dream world like the stereotype you would imagine of, oops, there's clock, but you can't read the clock face because it's a dream. Oh, everyone's lost their underpants. Oh. Mm. Like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of things that are dreams. People being in their underwear in tests and not being able to read clocks. Those are two things about dreams. Are we thinking inception dreams or realistic dreams? Like, things are constantly shifting at all times. Nightmare. You think about it, it becomes real kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I think the big thing here is the fact that I think what we'll end up experiencing is going to be very uh, weird. And one thing that I like to think kind of plays in line with the dream is almost like the the spider creature, right? The idea that you look at it and it has four eyes and then it's 18 eyes, but then it's also two eyes, but then it's 12 eyes, right? And all of that makes sense at the same times. When you people guess things and you're like, oh, is it like the stereotype? You're running such a high risk that you then describe exactly what I have in mind. <laughs> and then I look like a fucking asshole unless I change it. So I- <laughs> it's not a criticism. It's Austin is just saying, we look like, let's get to it. Let's just let's just hit there the ground running. There is nothing running. wrong with a thing being the thing you expect it to be. Sometimes a thing is what it you expect but then again it. we also could do the try to true tradition of trying to change course immediately when someone might be onto something 
even if it doesn't make any sense to course correct and it causes all other sorts of problems, you know? So, <laughs> so the arcane sigil, which is a number of like shapes like pentagrams and Ouroboros and glyphs and so forth that you've seen in all the Eldritch tomes uh, of, of demonology you've encountered, you connect a line here, you connect a line there and then suddenly blackness, just utter darkness because Entering the dream realm is not like entering other portals in D&D. It's not like a door opens up and you walk through. It's not like a tunnel of lights and colors. Uh, it's like going to sleep, where one moment you're conscious and the next you are not. And it's extremely startling. It's very sudden and jarring, just as much for your characters as it is, I imagine, for the players and the audience mm-hmm. to be suddenly in the dream realm. And that's how we open is all of you opening your eyes, finding yourselves horizontal on the ground, some alien ground with uh, grass tickling your nose and no idea how you got here. I would like to determine which way is up. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. You know the trick if you're buried in an avalanche, you spit because the gravity will take it down and then you'll know which way is down. Mm-hmm. And then it'll freeze and turn into an ice pick and you could dig your way out of there. Mm-hmm. I like to su- I like to supplant good survival tips with really bad ones. So, like Austin, what do you do when you find a bear? Uh, hug it. You pick up children to make yourself bigger. Those are both actually good ones. <laughs> That's literally the advice. You pick up children and you hold them up to make yourself look bigger. Because bears don't understand the concept of two people. <laughs> yeah, why do you think puffing their hair always breaks? Like, whoa! Suddenly they're huge. What's happening? I gotta get out of here. If you show a bear the two-headed monster from Sesame Street, their head will explode. I think it's just a science fact. They don't know how to process it. Well, like, we just see two a guy holding two kids. What the bear sees is some sort of body horror nightmare. The head's just sprouting from this man. Austin, do we know what way is up? Yeah, I think you all wake up on a forest floor, and the genius immediately spits up and onto their own face. <laughs> and that is uh, sufficiently strange enough for you all to like shake yourself awake and stand up. Uh, you find yourself in a forest glade here. Uh, the trees, the rocks, the clouds in the sky, uh, everything has this wavy quality to it, like wet paint. Like at any moment... Uh, the clouds could drip down onto you and just... Like Robin Williams' heaven and what dreams may come. Yeah. Or like those famous paintings. With the, the, just those, those <laughs> famous paintings. <Yeah. laughs> you know. Salvador Dali is what you're thinking probably. Yes. Yes, yes. So as you all, you know, to get your bearings now in this other place, uh, why don't you all roll me something to figure out what's going on? Because right now you're just in a forest that you've never seen before. Blessigation. Hmm. Um. <laughs> I crit failed. I'll be right back. Right. If we do an investigation, then Aze rolled a five. Uh, 16, which I think is not going to be enough to rescue that botch. It is not going to be enough to rescue. The party fails, and in particular, the genius botch, which makes sense because they just spit into their own eye. It burns! It's, <laughs> it's raining. <laughs> it's... Slime is on all fours on the ground, just trying to figure out what's happening. I, I mean, this is kind of how sleep dream realms 
work. You 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 don't really realize you're there until you're there. Can I attempt to use my imagination to create like a like a flying piece of toast? Uh, <laughs> interesting. Well, first of all, you botch. So I do want to say that there is a complication before you start summoning Toast. Okay. Uh, which, which is, I think, as you're kind of uh, rolling around this forest, uh, genius. At the speed of sound. Yep. Got to follow my rainbow. Mm -hmm. yep. Oh my god, <laughs> Crush Forty, will you leave me alone? Uh, you begin finding that the wheels of your chair are kind of picking up off the ground every once in a while, as if like you know a balloon inflating with helium, and you think uh, you're about to start floating away okay can I make that toast now yeah roll for toast i mean i <laughs> i got a 10 so it's just like average toast maybe like wheat yeah not the best but no you just get a handful of uh like flour or the just wheat you know it, ha it hasn't even become bread yet so you're getting like <laughs> to step one you get a bunch of wheat Oh, is this how this place works? Can I imagine a compass, but instead of pointing to north, it points to where we need to go to f do our mission? Well, in the immediate, we have, the, we have a floating genius is the problem, I think. Yeah, I think you all start talking about that because you see the genius uh, summon some wheat, and then you also see them start to kind of float away. I cast Earthbind on the genius and then go back to screaming into the ground. <laughs> Okay, you lash the genius to the the earth with sticky strands of goo, uh, and then you just go back onto all fours, face first into the ground. I'm now laying down, face first into the ground, making a quiet scream. Genius, don't 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 worry. If we need to get moving again, and you start floating, I'll just grab you with one of my tentacles, and we can carry you around like a balloon, stop you floating away. Oh, excellent! I have never been a balloon before. I know, it's the first time for everything. Damn, it would be sick to be a balloon, wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, this is pretty chill. You get to fly, you get not to... Wi not wild on how, like, easily I could just completely pop. Oh no, that's part of the appeal for me. <laughs> <laughs> is it the tension? <laughs> I will not elaborate further. Ah, <laughs> uh, um... So yeah, no, joking aside, Neelith's going to try and magic up a compass to point us where to go. Yeah, intelligence. Uh, intelligence, do I have any of that? <laughs> I'm going to clip that. I don't know what I'm going to use it for, but I'm just going to have that one in my back pocket. Ah, uh, that's a crit. That's a, that's a natural 20. Well, fuck me sideways. Uh, so, Neelith, I think you summon your mental energies, and you're psionic to begin with, so I think maybe this comes more naturally to you as if it's a muscle you've, you've flexed before. I, I should not have questioned my intelligence. I'm great. <laughs> uh, and you conjure a rudimentary compass into your hand, um, and it whirls around wildly as if uh, the, the destination it has not fully taken shape, as if your search for the destination has willed said destination into being. And eventually the, uh, the, uh, the hand of the compass stops and points firmly uh, in one ver and I was gonna say north, but there is no north, there is no east, there is no west. It's just wrong and right. And eventually the compass finds the correct uh, direction. The, the little uh, diamond that usually points two directions has got a green side and a red side, and we go follow the green. Yep, and you you feel confident, Neilith, and you can start leading the group through the forest. Okay, I I I go and grab uh, the genius balloon. 
<laughs> the genius balloon. <laughs> yeah, this, this is a good image. Uh, slime on all fours, dragging their face, the face of this corpse across the ground. You holding the genius like a balloon, and Ozzy just kind of walking behind like a dad at Disney World, just like, <laughs> the prices here are ridiculous. We have to see everything, or otherwise we're getting, stop crying. We have to look at all the rights. Stop crying. Stop crying. I paid so much money to be here. Have fun. <laughs> Let's let's all just let some things out. <laughs> I mean, what is D and D for if not for that? Ozzy is, is holding like a map of the region, and it looks like very elaborate and fancy on the side that everyone else can see, but on the side that he's looking at, it's just blank. <laughs> As you walk between the trees of this forest, I think the the leaves have the similar effect that uh, Skitch described at the beginning with the spider's eyes, where mm. the leaves are green and then they're red and then they're yellow. And it's not that they're changing. They are just are these separate things. And your mind is having trouble accepting that things can be multiple ways simultaneously. Right. And by the time they've changed, you've forgotten what they were before. So it's just like, well, yeah, sure. That's the new truth. That's the new reality. And that is the way it is. But you're going in the direct you're going in the correct direction now. With your crit, uh, you avoid some possible dangers of the of the dream world so far. And in the distance you hear voices. Randy Orton? <laughs> Did you say Randy Orton? Yeah, sorry. That's a, that's his theme song. That's how it opens he goes. <laughs> I hear voices in my head. Oh. I know it's a wrestle man, but I did not know the that. Yeah, he's the guy who pooped in the purse. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Randy Orton is kind of a shitty person. <laughs> I can tell you're reluctant to <laughs> recount the story. I mean, there, there really is no story to that. He's a bad person. You yep. shit in the purse. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Uh, in the distance, the four of you hear voices, and they are chanting uh, one word. Alabrie, alabrie, alabrie. Before you said what the word was, I was ready to chime in with lads, 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 lads. <laughs> lads, lads, lads. <laughs> I think as you get closer, they can start saying lads if you would like. Mm. They have they have that kind of energy. Does this happen to translate to lads from whatever language it is? I was worried. Like, is there any significance to that word? Um, yeah. Uh, roll religion? That would be a nine. Uh, I, um, hmm. I might tap into the uh, saving face on that if that's a failure on that nine. Uh, I've got a 13. I got a 10. Oh, I took that. No, I didn't. Wait, I did. It just didn't update on my sheet. <laughs> 23. Holy shit. Yay! Yeah. The 23. So that's a success. And specifically with uh, the 23 from the genius, because you looked into that book. The, the burning book and your mind was set ablaze with religious knowledge. Uh, you know that the Alabrie are a native species of the dream world. Um, they are probably one of the friendlier versions. There are some very dangerous things that live here that don't obey the laws of physics. And if su sufficiently motivated would kill you and there's nothing you can really do about it. Mm. Uh, the Alabrie are the opposite of that, or they have the capacity for violence but you assume you will be safe just approaching these things. Um, I should say, furthermore, that uh, like the Gremlin, uh, the Alabrie are not from classical mythology. They are a 20th century invention, but are kind of like Gremlins, uh, rapidly uh, entering our culture as another a fantasy creature. They're like they're more current, right? Like uh, TikTokers and and Zooms. <laughs> yeah, I I was I had a set through. 
uh, the Roger Corman film Munchies, which is one of many Gremlins knockoffs that was made. Um, and uh, it was not especially good. So that's the only thing I can think of right now where you hear Gremlins. Uh, so, Genius, uh, you float towards uh, this clearing knowing that you'll be safe to do so. And you can tell the rest of the party that. And they will see up ahead, uh, gathered around a small pond, uh, is this group of creatures. You see uh, what looks like a donkey with butterfly wings. Uh, you see a rooster with bull's horns. You see a lion with an eagle's head. All of these things extraordinarily colorful, uh, like psychedelically colorful. I will put one in the roll 20 for you to see. Oh, that's that's majestic. Mm. Ooh, it's like Viva Piñata. I mean, a- out of character, the, the, in, ni- in the 1930s, there was a paper mache artist who got very, very ill and had a bunch of fever dreams where he saw these creatures and they told him their name, which to that point was a nonsense word. Although now it is a Spanish word hmm. that describes these creatures. Interesting. It looks like if someone made like a Pegasus out of um, every different kind of wrapping paper they had in the back of the cupboard. Mm-hmm. And it's it's beautiful. It is very beautiful. It's a specific kind of paper mache called carton piedra, which is uh, like very colorful, very rigid uh, paper mache. And they're painted very elaborately. They all have kind of swirls and almost like mandala-like uh, illustrations. patterns and color types on different elements of the of the creature. Yes, and these are probably the most friendly denizens of this plane. Uh, and you've you've happened upon them with your crit. And your newfound compass. So congratulations, party. I don't like you stunting on me, Austin. <laughs> Did I stunt on you, buddy? Yeah. You. What, what's the name of the paper they're made out of again? Carton Piedra? Yeah. Come on. You know I failed Spanish like four times, so... I used to be like conversationally fluent, but I have lost it. It's been 13 years since I did anything. If with someone it. says sacapuntas in a sentence, I know they're going to be talking about pencil sharpeners, and that is uh-huh. the only thing I remember <laughs> about the language. I was going to say, if it makes you feel any better, I dated a Spanish speaker for eight years, and I still didn't absorb it. I just could I don't know. Uh, if I cast, uh, what? Actually, yeah. Don't worry about casting. Needless just gonna uh, float gently and non-threateningly over and try and say hello. Yeah, the Alabriers just continue going, lads, 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 as one of them does like a keg stand to drink from the pond. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, sorry to interrupt at lad time. How do you all do? I think the donkey with the butterfly wings, which is my favorite design, so that's going to be the one that talks to you, uh, says, Hello, it is nice to see a friendly face in the dream realm. Oh, no. Hello. Hi. I'm glad to meet a friendly face in the dream realm, too. Uh, dreams can be a mixed bag. I'm glad we've met some friendly faces. We do not get many visitors from the material world. What has caused you to brave this journey? Uh, well, someone from this realm who feasts on nightmares might have been making nightmares real and tangible in the physical realm and causing lots of uh, risk of death and destruction and being very bad. Ah, Zebaku, we hate him. Do not we hate him, lads? Lads, 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 lads. (laughs) 
So of the uh, <gasps> oh, so are you, have you been aware of any activities of the Baku of late? Well, the Baku, they are native to this land. There are many names for it. We call it the Everwen, the Ancestral Past, the Dalcor, the Dreaming, the Wuji, the Wordon. You can call it what you like, but there are many Baku here. There is uh, one particular Baku that might be in part, that might be attempting quite a bit of a, hmm interference with the material realm in order to feed their hunger. Mm, yes, you must seek the Baku for the forest. And uh, all the Alibriates, like confer with each other and they say, forest, 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 forest. And all the trees begin moving with them as they're chanting, as if they're all an extension of the same consciousness. This is quite a large forest at that. There's many places in here that the Baku might be residing or hiding. Yes, the donkey with the butterfly wings speaks up and specifically says, Yes, you will not make it through the forest without a guide. Out there, there are things. <laughs> Hungry things. Are you going to be that guide for us and can we make friends with you and bring you back to the Prime Material plane and have a new friend? Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I, th I think, yeah, I think the Alabrier says, I do not know if I could survive in your world. There are several planes. The old world at the bottom of your mountain, the new world at the top of your mountain, the grey where people go when they die, where there is no potential, and here, in the everywhen, when there is nothing but potential. I love it here. Okay, that's fair, that's fair. I ask this to every nice person we meet, there's a bit of a character flaw. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you, you, you uh, want to help us go through the forest? You seem chill. Come, adventure. Yes, I am very chill, however... Even somewhat as chill as I am still in danger from the inhabitants of this world. The quarry hunt relentlessly. The quarry are indeed a rather persistent uh, threat in the realm of dreams, if I recall right. But does, does sketch, uh, is sketch well versed in Eberron? Uh, you talk about specifically about the Kalashtar, I think, and the, their relationship with the quarry. Nerd stunts, nerd stunts, nerd stunts. <laughs> there was a character, there was a person that played uh, Kalashtar actually in one of the episodes of Shardpoint. So, yeah, uh, that's true. So, yeah, like Aze will regard the uh, the donkey fairy. I forget. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and we'll just simply uh, and say, I can assure you that we can do everything we can to guard and offer safe harbor for you if you're able to provide us your knowledge of the ways of the land here and how to navigate safely. All right, that sounds like persuasion from the group uh, with advantage because you approached openly and, and friendly. Friendlyly? That's nothing. Mm, that's only a nine from Ozzy. In a friendly manner. Amicably. Huzzah, I remembered a word. 25. <laughs> Uh, 17. There we go. 17 and 25. That's the success. 
Uh, Neolith, you're through 25. I think they particularly respond to your good vibes. And the donkey with the, the butterfly wings says, I like your vibe. I dig your style. I love your hat. I will accompany you. Does that mean we now get to chant lads, lads, lads? Are we, lads, are we, lads, 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 lads. And the party uh, goes deeper into the forest, leaving the rest of the alabries by the pond. Uh, Slime, are you still dragging your face on the ground? And Genius, are you still a balloon? Yeah, obviously. Come on. <laughs> Slime has now taken to having their head up somewhat, but still a, a very quiet... Scream is happening at all times. Like <laughs> okay. like one of those dogs that won't stop crying. Oh no, I know what you mean. That's so sad. Oh. Uh, as you, you journey through the forest following this donkey with the butterfly wings, purple, blue, red, green, yellow, all over, an explosion of colors on this animal, the trees seem to part uh, for them. Once again, as if there is some kind of connection between uh, intelligence and environment here that does not exist on other planes. Um, but there are still things lurking out here. Uh, roll survival. That'd be a 15 from Ozzy. Uh, no- 19 from Neelith. <laughs> oh, Shazbots. Yep, the group definitely succeeds. Nine. Uh, so I think Slime with you at the highest roll, 20. I think you are the first one to sense... The quarry out in this uh, forest, that's Q-U-O-R-I. Do you want to describe to the audience what they look like? It looks like a naga on the bottom half, but the top half is is a a thing with (laughs) crab arms and several other little T-Rex arms, blue eyes. As two blue main eyes, and what appears to be a collection of eyes they've snatched from other people mm-hmm. on top of their head. They're also of a meaty red consistency with a black carpus like overcoating. It it looks like if you peeled off like two thirds of the skin off a snake, Ugh. it's still got some of the 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 sort of rippled snake outer coating, but a lot of it looks peeled to the flesh. Yeah, imagine like a a person's body, but decapitated, and on the next stump, just a dozen eyes smushed into the skin, different colors, red, yellow, two main blue ones. And then on the the lower torso, instead of legs, it does have a a snake-like tail. And the two main arms are big, crushing lobster claws, but also along its torso, it has several misshapen, tiny, grasping arms aligning its abdomen. Slime does not communicate this. They simply point in the direction and yell louder. Okay. <laughs> Screaming increases. <laughs> yeah. Screaming intensifies. Uh, but there are dozens of these out in the forest. They are keeping their distance from the Alabria, which is has some kind of aura or something. It's leading you with to keep you safe. But they're mustering their forces. They're out there. They're a threat. And uh, your your donkey friend says... You see, this is the this is the danger of the dream realm. Um, are these anything particular we need to worry about, or are these just generic dream creepies? These are the thing you must worry most about. You cannot defeat them as you are. Perhaps hold them back, beat back their assault for a moment, but you cannot kill a nightmare in this form with your flesh and your brain. What if I picture a 
nightmare-destroying gun that destroys nightmares. What is this gun you speak of? I don't know. I'll think <laughs> it up, whatever it is. I'll invent something with that name, and it'll destroy <laughs> nightmares. What about that? Uh, I think you should roll intelligence with disadvantage, and I'm going to... Uh... I'm going to tell you that there are a lot of these things, and it's going to be a difficult check, but go ahead and try. I mean, I, I'm not rolling to... to uh, well, okay. Uh, 11 and... 11! 11's not terrible! No, it's it's not enough. You start conjuring some kind of weapon, uh, some kind of mythical, futuristic weapon that you don't fully understand the ramifications of. It's like a kid playing make-believe. It's like, oh yeah? I, uh, well, I have a better sword, and then it has six blades, and it's on fire. <laughs> like, you're trying to make up something. Mine's a sword, but it's small and handheld, and it shoots little swords out of it. <laughs> yeah, but you feel the quarry uh, conjuring back. Uh, they're not taking this lying down. They have more mastery over this realm than you do, and they simply undo your psychic attempts. Um, and the, the Alabrie says... These things, they are nightmares given form, just as I am a beautiful fever dream given form. We must hurry quickly now. We must get you to the Baku before we are overtaken. Is there, do we have like any difficulty in like finding a safe way around or is there going to be, do we need to discern a clean way around these quarry? Yeah, unless you have a spell or an idea, that would just be athletics to just book it. Uh, can I, I mean, uh, I'm just going to cast Expeditious uh, Retreat. Is it only going to work on the person who's currently floating and having to be held? <laughs> well, uh, n yes, uh, but it feels like it would, it, it feels like it would help push at least the person carrying me along as well. Because you gotta, you gotta hold on to that kite. Uh, Ozzy can assist as well by casting Long Strider, which will increase people's speed for about an hour, um, so that will aid in this respect so so a expeditious retreat is like a get out of jail free card for the athletics check and so is long strider so if we spend two slots to get out of the situation you successfully get out of the situation if that's how we want to handle it i i like that uh flavor wise um Neelith is now sort of taking big bounding leaps as if helped by a very like a helium balloon that's letting just just, just big leaps and bounds that's the flavor <laughs> So the genius is dragging Neelith quickly through the forest and everybody else gets a boost from Aze and can uh, run like twice as fast. I'm running very scarily on all fours, like um, <laughs> from the movie Legion, where that guy walks around on all fours. That's how I'm moving. You're like a creepypasta now. Yeah, but I'm very scared. Uh, and so the party begins outpacing the quarry, which are serpentine. I think they have uh, they can probably float to some extent just because of the magic of this place, but they do not have the highest movement speed. And so the party begins to pull away. And I think in the distance, you can see uh, there's a place where the forest starts thinning out. It seems like the forest is melting. Why does it look wet? It's dry. You're the moist watch. Come on. It's dry, but it looks wet. We're, we're, the, we're the moist when appropriate squad. <laughs> the reason why is because it's moist and dry and wet and neither at the same time. Ah! There's a right and a wrong time for moist. It's a, it's a wrong time whenever I say it. That's fine if it is. I'm just... <laughs>
Um, so, I mean, like, does it appear like it's, does it appear like it's creating like a barrier or is it, or is it just that the, the trees are melting around us? No, it doesn't seem like a barrier. It seems like the end of the, of this part of the, the land. And it seems like the beginning of something else and it's melting into it. And I think as you near the, the end of this biome, I think the Alabrie stops and like turns around and says, I shall hold them off. You go ahead and find the Baku. Ah, uh, before we go, does the Baku have any, like, things that it is weak to or afraid of that you could let us know that we could imagine up before we go in? In this dream world, everything can be a weakness or a strength if you believe strongly enough. It's all a matter of perspective, and perspective's always shifting here. And it is also a matter of what you eat before bedtime. That can really mess you up. Pretzels were a terrible choice. <laughs> uh, Needless starts packing away the cheese-based packed lunch she was about to offer everyone. <laughs> <laughs> no spaghetti carbonara before this boss fight. <laughs> uh, so you reach the edge of the forest, and you can see now what kind of landscape this forest bleeds into, which can only be described as a clear night sky, uh, as if you are floating now in space. Uh, just darkness and twinkling distant stars. Uh, but you can just run into it as if it was land because uh, the forest was relatable, but you're in a dream space and now things are going to start getting extremely weird. I say they're going to start getting weird knowing you're already being chased by weird decapitated lobster snakes. So I guess that's relative. Uh, Aze is going, once we kind of are in, into the area where we're basically surrounded by stars while running through them, he is going to have to stop for a moment and just sort of take in the sight for just a moment uh um is any of it familiar to him uh yeah i think you can definitely recognize the old world sky uh we've probably discussed this in passing but to to reiterate uh there are kind of two sets of stars in our universe there's the old world stars and the new world stars also known uh, well, I mean, you can explain this if you want. Yeah, well, there's the the old world's the foundation underneath, and the new world's the firmament above. So these are foundation stars. So this it's a largely mature, elaborate star system. Uh, it's dense. the The difficulty in perceiving it from this standpoint is that very few people directly see these stars. Most of it is just documented well enough that there's very clear renderings of what particular constellations are. Yes, this is like the sky as we uh, players understand it. Orion's Belt, the Big Dipper, those kind of stars. And so you start running into the sky, as it were. You're now floating in space. You're like in a screensaver, essentially. But the stars look like you can reach out and touch them almost. Uh, it's it's very surreal. And as you begin kind of floating away from the forest, you see it melting in the distance until it's just a pinprick of green color and then it's gone and now you're in space as it were and as you keep moving in one direction it seems like the stars move with you uh they're all it's everything is kind of moving along in one direction in an uncanny way uh in order to try and prepare for whatever's coming um neelith's gonna try and conjure up some of her favorite things in the hopes that creature that fends or feeds off of nightmares 
might be weakened by us entering the boss fight with a happy, positive mental state. With whis- whiskers on kittens? Yeah, exactly. And big woolen mittens? No, my one weakness! <laughs> I mean, is that so ridiculous to suggest might be this boss fight's one true weakness? <laughs> if you roll well, it's not ridiculous. If you roll poorly, it is ridiculous. What do I, what do I roll to whiskers on kittens? It's still intelligence. Uh, yeah. Intelligence. Uh, just, just straight this time, not disadvantage anymore. Nope. Okay. Twelve. Yeah, twelve is slightly above average. Uh, so, so something does happen. Name one of Neilis' favorite things. Um, I think the first thing that Neilith manages to conjure up is, um. It's a really, really low quality um, little trophy. Uh, the kind of thing that, like, couldn't have cost more than a couple of quid to make. Uh, very, very low, low effort. That's That's got a little uh, best chef in town carved into it. Aw, that's cute. Who gave you that in universe? I, I think in universe this was given by... <sighs> Potter. The last governor. Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. Little informal, just hey, hey. It's been a busy summer season. We've had a lot of visitors come through. You did good. Little tiny trophy. <laughs> I love that. So you conjure a little trophy, and I think that does get the attention of the Baku because you hear a voice echoing through space, and it says, "Hey, Toots, what's the big idea?" <laughs> um. <clears throat> I really like this trophy, and it's very nice. Yeah, take that. Uh, I think in the distance, uh, also floating in space, you see uh, materialize this uh, animal that we've discussed before, this this yokai we've discussed before, the Baku, which looks like a combination of elephant, uh, rhino, lion, tapir. It is this uh, creature that is... Uh, the what the Pokemon Drowsy is based on, if that if that helps your mental image at all. But it, is, it looks like a fabulous furry Drowsy. Yeah. What if what if Drowsy was a furry? That's yeah. Mm. <laughs> that's where we are. A, uh, one of the dramatic ones who did theater. Uh huh. And I think he's wearing uh like a big uh coat, and he's wearing a uh, what's the what's the version hat called? <laughs> What? A fedora. A fedora. Yes. Oh shit! <laughs> He's wearing a fedora. How are we gonna say it? How, how can we fight? How can we fight such an evil fiend? Actually, uh, such a menace. <laughs> Why are you bringing that in no. here, sugar tentacles? Oh. I would like to shoot this thing with lightning bolt. <laughs> okay, lightning bolt. I believe is a deck save. Yeah. All right. Uh, let me look at those stats. That's a zero. Uh, so, uh, botch. Wow, you nail the Baku with this lightning bolt. Holy shit! What a what an entrance. Uh, twenty seven damage. Yeah, the the Baku is like thrown backwards and a smoking uh, explosion as the lightning bolt hits him directly, and he's kind of flung back and says, "Hey, come on, guy. What what are you gonna do? Why are you trying to white knight the and go fuck you? Come on." <laughs> I was curious to see if electricity functioned the same way here. Now I know. And I would like to do it more. Also, sorry to ruin this for you, but lightning is one of the genius's favorite things. <laughs> yeah. I would like to cast what is technically vampiric tra- 
vampiric touch, but really it's me eating them alive. Okay, so so you have to close the distance, and I think uh, as you get closer, because you have to touch the Baku, this this effect I mentioned before of when you move, the stars move is happening, and do you see everything is kind of converging at a point behind the Baku? Do you continue with the vampiric touch regardless? Um, so I would imagine that I was having some sort of like um, floating through space effect. So I didn't really have a choice in stopping it. I was just kind of floating towards them, like barreling, also still screaming. Um, <laughs> just I'm going to put in the episode description in parentheses. Imagine slime is screaming for the entirety of this episode. <laughs> Not loudly, just a constant scream. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I'm just like, you know, barreling through space towards them. And I'm still screaming. And hopefully I hit them. I don't want to presume what the next steps are. No, make that attack roll. Okay, 17. Yeah, just so describe this hits. So describe to me how this works. Okay, so I'm barreling t- for, towards the monster and I, I latch on to them. Have you ever seen a starfish eat? Yes, they spit out their stomach, right? All right, so I grab onto them and I just spit out all of my insides onto them and I'm holding onto them and just like, you know, like eating them from the outside. And then I suck Just it like back. a typical broad, am I right, fellas? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I suck all of my insides back in once I'm done. So I'm going to roll mm-hmm. 3d6. Mm-hmm. 14. All right, yeah. That, I mean, it's not that much damage, but it's a good it's a good hit. And I think you have full health. Everyone came in with full health, and you didn't get it caught by the quarry. So uh, you you get your icky juices and burning tummy all over the Baku, and it uh, p- shoves you away. Uh, Aze, do you do do you do anything? Uh, he's been kind of distracted. For those that might have been watching Aze at times, he probably had ha- it's borderline tearing up at just the sight of the stars because literally this would be the first time he's seeing like even like a representation like this of the foundation stars so it's just like it's having a bit of a moment um but then he sort of snaps out of it when the lightning bolt shoots off and uh slime closes the gap and he tries to gather himself a little bit and remarks over to the baku we have we have caught on to what you're you're trying to do within Grendel, and we are here to stop you from pursuing it any further. Like I care, you ugly mugs. Y'all need to get out of here. You're bitten off more than you could chew. You don't know what I'm capable of. And you don't know what we're capable of, so I don't know how this is any sort of a threat. Don't make me summon the commemorative plaque I once got. <laughs> All right, I warned yous. Here I go. And you see all the stars that are moving in the direction with slime reach a central point, a hot mass of star stuff behind the Baku. Uh, One of the terms for this kind of dream realm in uh, Aboriginal culture is the world dawn. And that is what you have stumbled into, the beginning of time. Because all the stars go back to the beginning where they began and then the big bang happens. Hmm. So 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 it's so it's a dexterity save to dodge it, right? To dodge the big bang. 
it's <laughs> it's a wisdom saving throw uh, because uh, physics is weird here. You're not all instantly incinerated, but there is uh, a psychological effect of th- all the matter exploding at once in front of you. 16. Wow. Uh, nine. Oops. Wait, no, do, I fucked that I, up. Sorry. Do I, do I get advantage for my funky trophy? <laughs> and I rolled a, and Ozzy rolled a 16. Only Neelith fails. Interesting. Uh, so you take 14 damage and you are blinded, Neelith, as this wave of force and fire, essentially nuclear explosion happens. Put my, put my trophy! <laughs> uh, all the planets and the stars uh, that erupted from this hot mass at the beginning of the universe come flying by you, and this blinding white light uh, just overtakes you, and you are stunned. Uh, you take that that damage uh, spiritually, and uh, all of you are momentarily blinded. And when the light subsides, uh, the Baku is gone, although you can hear him cackling somewhere. Just, <laughs> take that, you suckers! Uh, and you are all surrounded by asteroids and comets and all the... The, the the detritus of the first explosion, which is now a kind of minefield you find yourselves in. What do you do? Can I conjure a spaceship? <laughs> uh, you can try. Intelligence check. Uh, 17? Yeah, I was looking for 15. So, Genius, uh, describe your steampunk spaceship to me. Uh, it looks like my face. Like a giant version of my face. But there's just fireworks shooting off everywhere. So your face as in Chris or your face as in the genius? The genius. Okay, yeah. I just wanted to make a clarification there. because. <laughs> so a, a genius-faced spaceship kind of forms out of the, the hot molten metal coming off of the the Big Bang. And it all kind of forms itself together at your will. And you just, like, jump on. Yeah, like it, like it'll it'll pull everybody in, mm-hmm. and the ship is laughing. The ship is laughing. That's great. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> the Baku sees this is happening from wherever he is, and says, "You snooping, no good sons of so and sos. I'm gonna get you." And some star stuff comes together on each side of the spaceship, and you see three figures. Uh, formed out of stars. Uh, these are familiar to anyone who's been in Pastor Vary's igloo. It is a giant owl with s- exploding suns for eyes. It is a serpent the length of the belt of Orion, and there is a curled cat uh, with uh, a planet in each paw. And these things are both cosmically large and also uh, attacking the spaceship in a way that's paradoxical. Mm. What do you do? We don't need to roll initiative necessarily. This is still more of an environmental hazard, but. So slime truly fully believes that these three creatures are dead. So can they believe that to be true here? If it's a dream, nothing in the rule book says that a, a slime can't dream. It's like, these are not, these aren't the real ones. This is something fake. Yes. So if Slime would like to roll intelligence to conjure and manifest, absolutely. It's up to your you. Conjure and manifest that these aren't the real gods that 14. 
Uh, I was looking for 15, so I, ah. unfortunately that is not enough. I think maybe they shrink a little bit, so they go from, like, literally the, the the giant cat is just, like, holding a planet, like Jupiter in each palm, and then they're kind of shrink down, and they are just, uh, you know, the size of the spaceship you're trying to escape in, and they're trying to, bat, the cat's trying to bat it out of the air, and the owl is swooping overhead as the, the snake is kind of, like, coiling to strike. Can Can I help at all with my atheism? See, see. Uh, everyone, dexterity saving throw as the 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 star beasts attack. Ten. Fifteen. Fifteen. Uh, eleven. Uh, Aze and Genius get hit. Yeah, so six damage. The the star cat bats the spaceship to the side. The snake strikes and like bites into the the metal of the fuselage of the spaceship as it, it still does break free and it's still going. It's still a chase scene. Do not worry. This ship will survive. I conjured it out of chrome digizoid. That's the metal that Metal Edamon was made out of. Chris? <laughs> yeah? You're the best. You're welcome, buddy. Alright, Aze would like to attempt a conjuring of his own at this point. Um, so what we've had, what we have here are sort of the three kind of presumed gods of old and what Aze is thinking of doing to sort of act as a counteracting of it is conjuring an amalgamation of the four foundation sign, the four major foundation signs. So an entity that is effectively like a serpent dryad with wings and piercing eyes. All right. Yes. So for the for the audience, there are four foundations, which is for the the zodiac essentially of the old world. So what are they? They are the tree, the eye, the wing, and the serpent. Okay. And so you've combined them all into like a super zodiac. Yes. All right. Intelligence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's just trying to tap into that, and that would be uh, unfortunately that's just a nine. Um, and I don't think I can save face out of that one either. So, mm. so you summon uh, these stars into alignment, and they kind of conjure into their own star beast, very much like the one you're fa- you're facing. It's a very fight fire with fire situation, mm-hmm. but there's only one of them against three, and so I think like the owl swoops down and like lands on it, and they're tussling. Uh, the snake and the cat continue after the spaceship. What do you do? Can the spaceship shoot out a giant beam of energy and I'm just going to cast Eldritch Blast. <laughs> okay, yeah. If you're just going to attack, you can just attack. That's great. Yeah, but I want it to come out of the spaceship's mouth. Like I, I just want that to be clear. You want it to be dream magic because we're doing cool dream powers. Ten. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's only a single Eldritch Blast. You get multiple, right? At level six? You should have two. Fourteen. There we go. So the first volley misses, the second hits. But d- does it maybe hit the first one because the power of imagination helped? And my chrome digizoid. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I think the the snake like uh, strikes again at the spaceship uh, in the first blast missed misses the second blast hits it but then the the cat pounces down on the spaceship in mid-flight and once again everyone dexterity saving throw as the cat uh begins trying to bite you all inside this uh this spaceship as it's spiraling through the stars two oops uh f- eight 14 ozzy rolled a 13 yeah 
Genius and Slime takes seven. Uh, this is biting and biting and biting into the spaceship with its fangs made of stars. And you two get stabbed like through the metal hull. Uh, this spaceship has been hit twice and it's starting to come apart you know, amongst the stars. Can I cast Mending on the spaceship? Absolutely, yeah. You you vom. You do a spew onto the... I vomit. I spew my vomit onto it. And much like in the cartoon, it heals it together and it sparkles after because it's a dream. Can some of the slime be coming out of the eyes of the spaceship? Yes. I want yes. this <laughs> like this visual in space. That's yeah. great. Now, yeah, I threw up so much puke that um, now there's like flowing through the eyes in whichever way the genius wants it to. There, there's a hatch to open to kind of be able to be face to face with the cat. Sure. I assume. Uh, I want Aze to like open the hatch, reach out, and grab a string of stars into a long connected uh, whip and basically use Thorn Whip to kind of whip away the cat from the ship. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, with a star whip eff- uh, effectively. That'd be a 26 for the attack there. Yeah, so uh, paint me the picture of you fending off the last star beast and saving the ship. <laughs> yeah. Like Aze, like as the ship is being repaired, Aze can kind of like see the 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 sort of like glimmering claws trying to cut through where uh, patches have been made. Uh, he, you know, reaches up, opens up the hatch on the top because, of course, a spaceship has just a simple hatch without airlock, you know, safety and all that. Reaches like pulls his head up past it, reaches up and like like running a hand through water and catching seaweed that's passing by his hand just sort of grabs upon stars linking together in a chain and with a with a the stern grunt he just sort of swings and there's a resounding crack in the silence of space as the whip uh uh impacts against the the cat and causes it to stumble off of the ship Despite and it lands on its feet, obviously somewhere in space, but you know it's <laughs> on a meteor, on, yeah, on a meteor somewhere. As things go, and while that's all happening, it's just like this trail of stars with lines connecting them for no reason, um, acting like a almost like a a tail of its of the ship's own passing by after he's whipped away the uh, after he's whipped away the cat. <laughs> Yeah, so with all three star beasts uh, uh, fought off of the ship, the ship begins escaping into an asteroid field, and you hear the Baku's voice again say, Lucky shot, Mac. You're all still food at the end of the day. I don't care about this. Uh, Can I do... I don't know if it would be a wisdom check to try to intuit where the Baku might be or an intelligence. Yeah, I was just going to roll O'Connor and just like, do puke mist everywhere. See if I could do like where you find the invisible person by like spraying things. Could I shoot my, the ship's teeth out like deep space probes? <laughs> <gasps> yeah. That, or tongue. I mean, that can be, be the flavor of a roll. Uh, I think right now what we're looking for is uh, perception to perceive. Can I flavor it then that that's what everyone else is doing because my perception is dog doo doo. So 16 and 19 succeeds. Uh, the highest roll is slime. So I think that's the, the winner, Amari, uh, your, your missed solution. Do you want to uh, paint me that picture? 
Um, I just have my spores come out and it just starts misting it everywhere. And then some of it lands lightly on top of it. And we're, and then the shape of it comes out of the mist and you can see the general idea of where he is. And he is absolutely disgusted. Okay. So the, the genius faced spaceship, uh, begins just squirting gooey spore juice all over space and you hit the invisible Baku and you see this gooey outline of the, the Baku is. I point at it and say the father of false idols retreats. <laughs> what the heck does that mean, lady? It means it creates false gods. Y'all skirts always talk like this, just back and forth all around in circles and circles. Never know what the heck they mean. You're the one covered in goo. So uh, as a response to being sprayed, I, the Baku uh, goes into a, a black hole and the cowards <laughs> and the party follows with. And once again, you are plunged into darkness um, as you go as you chase the Baku further into the every when um, after ne- Neelith clings onto the trophy. Oh, <laughs> can I conjure our white hole? <laughs> Uh, I don't know enough about physics to really follow that train of thought. Well, I, it was a carded Yu-Gi-Oh, so <laughs> I believe it's canon. Genius, can you roll me a vehicle proficiency check to land this spaceship? Oh no! Well, there's no there's no landing gear. Come on. <laughs> okay, can you roll me vehicle proficiency <laughs> why, 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 to crash it safely? Face? You're, you're why, crashing it safely. The it's the thing on my face. My face doesn't have landing gear. To uh, minimize crash damage. Seventeen. Oh, wow. Okay. Can so that the higher the number be, be the bigger the explosion, though? Because <laughs> I think the genius wants it to explode. No, the ship is alive. The explosion is bigger, but also somehow paradoxically safer because you rolled high to not damage the party, but it, the genius would make it explode. Mm-hmm. So I think it hit when it goes out the other side of the black hole, it hits the other environment and explodes in a huge fireball, but in such a way as it like jettisons the party out in a, like a rubber raft or something. Yeah. With all that also has a genius's face on the front of it. <laughs> of course. Uh, obviously. Uh, uh, so there's, and I want some of the discarded chunks that still have some of slime slime on it to like coagulate together and float off into space. And one Yay! day in the dream universe, it becomes a planet. <laughs> Unicron. <laughs> Yay! Just huge erupting fireball as the spaceship explodes multiple times. Like a lithium battery just keeps exploding. Uh, and just in the background of this whole next scene, just imagine there's a repeatedly exploding wreckage back there. But the party ejects with the 17 uh, as their raft slides across the ground in this new environment on the other side of the black hole. Um, and you all s- slide uh, comfortably across it in uh, this raft until it comes to a stop. Is there any sign of our our foe in here? Uh, no, I will say right away, you do not see the Baku, although you have successfully continued to chase it, so you're making progress. But when you look around, you see uh, a sea. You see a sea. I probably should use different words. Uh, Ocean. An ocean. (laughs) Nope. Wrong kind of sea. God damn you homophones. (laughs) Uh, You are able to perceive a a crowd, uh, row after row and column after column 
of desks and chairs, specifically the kind of desks which the top open up. You can lift them to put things inside the desks mm. and uh, simple wooden chairs in front of all these desks, row after row after Aust- row of them. Austin, we're in a dream world. Um, can we look down and check that all of our characters are not just dressed in only their underpants? Yeah, I I mean, if this was a different kind of show, this would be exactly where it's going, Laura, but I know our fan base and they cannot be encouraged, so you're all fully clothed. No, no, no. What's upsetting is Slime looks down and they are clothed. Yeah, that's what's oh. yeah, they are they are fully clothed. Uh oh no. Their their hat their hat is both dapper and frightening um at the same time, so it's a so it's a is a distressing combination for sure. Slime's very confused by the hat. They keep trying to look at it by looking up, but they can't see it. They can't see the hat because it's on their head. Uh, But yes, Laura has successfully surmised that this is a classroom. Um, You can get out of the raft and begin working your way up the rows of desks towards a blackboard, which has something scribbled on it in chalk, although you have to get closer to see. Aze will approach the chalkboard. Um. Yeah. Uh, can you make a uh, dexterity saving throw, Aze? Sure can. Uh, or can't. Uh, Aze rolls a seven on his dexterity saving throw. That's great. Uh, so you all get out of the raft and start going towards the front of the classroom. The raft also explodes. The raft also. <laughs> Once you're all safely far away from it, it explodes. Um, and Aze, uh, you start walking towards the blackboard. Um, and then you see what's written on it. Uh, first of all, there are four columns separated by chalk uh, lines. Uh, one has a little hobgoblin drawn at the top. One has a little squidling. One has a little goblin, and one has uh, uh, just a pile of goo. Just a weird, like a little uh, soft serve ice cream goo person, like a little <laughs> emoji guy. Um, and then below these four pictures are just a just a whole mess of dots, just dozens and dozens of dots. So what was the dexterity saving throw for? Maybe before I tell Ozeo about the dexterity saving throw, what do the rest of you do? Can I conjure something? Sure. I want to conjure Shoko. Oh, interesting. Uh, Yeah, try. Intelligence? 14. Uh, So I think you concentrate very hard on Shoko, who is a little gremlin, um, kind of like we've discussed before, kind of like the Pokemon Sable Eye, a small... Uh, blue-eyed uh, little creature with very sharp teeth, wearing usually welder's goggles and a, a blacksmith's apron. And I think what appears is kind of like a big action figure version of her. It's not actually her. You you can conjure something that looks like her, but it's just it has, it has kung fu grip. Drat! I will have to explain all of this to her later. Genius, you say that to Slime and Neolith, but... Uh, Looking up from your action figure, you don't see Aze in this room. Oh. Hmm. The star man is missing. Is the chalkboard still there? Yep. The three of you in this classroom see the chalkboard with the four pictures and all the dots, but none of you see Aze. Can I approach the chalkboard? Yep. Do we still see the genius? Yes. Can I investigate the chalkboard? Absolutely. Uh, 12. Yeah, I say with a 12, I uh, it's I was only looking for a 10 average, so I'd say that this reminds you of Aze's star charts. They all they have this weird uh, semi-randomness, but there is enough to where you can understand, oh, I should connect some of these into 
to zodiac signs like oh yeah if i if i connect these dots in such a way they will make pictures but i wasn't listening when that nerd says shit about stars so i don't know what pictures i would even be making yeah can i just try connecting dots randomly oh thank you chris you start connecting dots randomly without Aze and the between the boards on oh, wait. the floor can i specifically Whoop. do matt leblanc's super awful speech in the lost in space movie where it's supposed to be romantic but he basically just connects a bunch of random stars and says it's bugs bunny i do not know that film so if you can but if there are any problematic associations i disown them <laughs> i have to it's say okay, that it's a the... kid's movie from like 2001 i have to vet everything before i endorse it in 2021 uh, as soon as the genius starts, picks up the chalk and starts drawing on the blackboard, blood begins oozing under the door, uh, through the the cracks in the floor, from through the windows of this the uh, classroom. Yep, the the classroom starts bleeding. You didn't do it. Didn't do what? From the windows to the walls. Oh God damn it! <laughs> Till the blood comes under my doors. Suck my balls. <laughs> <laughs> Till the blood drops down my balls. Hmm. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Slime and Neelith, you see the genius begin drawing on the blackboard, and then the room starts bleeding. Aze, you see this chalkboard with all the dots and the four pictures, and you turn around to address the group, and you are hit smack in the face by a whistling winter wind mm. uh, because you are no longer in the classroom. You appear to be on top of Mount Grendel. Uh, you are uh, knee-deep in snow, uh, the wind is ferocious, the flakes are falling thick, and you can look up, and you see there's a hole in the sky, and above that is the new world the gods created after the old one was destroyed, where people go to observe uh, the stars and make notes and maps, and they bring them back to you. Can I do... First of all, I yell, this is false visions, but can I also do an arcana check? Yeah, sure. 20. Non-natural. Not a natural 20, but uh, Slime, you remember when you were in Ruth's office and people were discussing their nightmares? Uh, you know, you said about losing your friends in a fire. Uh, the genius said, if we see a goblin, it'll be easy to kill them. And Aze said, uh, being alone with no one to uh, help check their mistakes or to work with was their nightmare. Uh, so when Aze disappears and is isolated, you assume that the Baku... Uh, is uh, is out and about is working their dark nightmare magic on your party. Um, Aze is going to approach the portal to peer beyond it, like pulling their arms around themselves to keep warm as they move to peer beyond the portal itself. Yeah, so Aze, you peer up into the the new world. You can pull yourself up through the portal, which is just like you know a, a, a hole cut in the sky. It's very uh, surreal. Even in the physical world, this has a dreamlike quality because the the world from the mountain and below is all post apocalyptic mm -hmm. ruin, and above is this pristine world. And you pull yourself up up, in, up into it, and it's like in one direction you see beautiful crystal blue ocean in another direction you see rolling plains with you know dozens of fruits and vegetables you've never seen before in another direction wagon trains of explorers uh you know braving uh this front frontier it's just like a, a time of intense exploration and discovery 
um, and you are just gripped with such a terrifying existential fear of of pulling yourself up into this world. It's hard to describe kind of like the feelings that are going through Ozzy as um, when they when he pulls himself kind of through um, that feeling of don't go in there kind of horror movie logic, but he just mm-hmm. does it anyway out of just some instinct, impulse, what have you to go towards where uh, to to go in that direction. Yeah. Uh, so you pull yourself up and there is uh, all kinds of beautiful scenery, but there are no people. This, this layer doesn't have uh, any uh, natives. It doesn't have any people to displace. Uh, but in the few explorers uh, that have ventured this far are out and about. So there's nothing but uh, walking in your future here. Do you just take off in a direction? Yes. Um, he does walk in a direction. I, um, the, I don't need to describe which direction it is, but he walks in a direction from the portal once he passes through it with uh, a sense of familiarity about where he is going. Yeah, I think this is exactly the nightmare you've experienced many times. Yeah. Just this interminable, lonely walk Mm -hmm. uh, through this landscape. And it's full of, you know, discoveries and excitement. But for you, it's just crushing loneliness. Mm -hmm. Uh, The rest of the Moist Watch, you're in a classroom. It's filling with blood. What do you do? Uh, I dream up a doorway that will lead us to Aze. All right, uh, intelligence. No one wants to. No one was paying attention without, during Aze's lectures. Uh-huh. This puzzle would be so easy if they were. Uh, five. <laughs> Uh, this is great. So, Neolith, you think, ah, door, we'll just walk out. Easy. So, you, in your head, you picture a door. A door appears in the wall. Uh, you reach out, grab the handle, turn it, pull, and the motherfucking Krampus bursts in. Uh, oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, eight. Uh, so, it swings at your head with its claw, and uh, unfortunately, you're very short, so it misses. But now the Krampus is here as the room fills with blood, and you see behind- I, expl- I explicitly did not want the Krampus door. Can I, I'm going to uh, roll, I want to punch the Krampus back through the door, and I crit. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you crit to punch the Krampus. <laughs> I want to shoot, I want to shoot one of my crossbow bolts, and again, it's like green arrow, where like, it, it, it like the arrow expo- like expands into a boxing glove, uh-huh. and just punches the Krampus right in the face, and the Krampus falls back through the door, and then it closes. Oh, I was. I was so excited to summon Jack Skellington to fight Krampus. <laughs> okay, Mari. Okay, so the Krampus is knocked back through the door, but also a, a, just a deluge of blood is coming in through that door as well. So I want to say that as this room fills, uh, the Krampus has been repelled for the moment. I'm not going to make it attack you for a, you know a couple minutes here, but it's still a threat. It's out there, and this is going to continually get it, keep getting worse. What else do you do? I would like to summon a sentient boat. A sentient boat, all right? Intelligence. Yes. Audience, th- th- learn from my mistakes and don't ever give your players a dreamscape that they can summon things into. You see what? You see how I fucked up. A sentient boat with the head of a dragon and the dragon talks. Eleven. I, I assumed this was literally explicitly why you'd done this was so that we could have an arc of just making shit up. <laughs> I don't know why I do anything I do, Laura. That's an eleven. I was looking for a fifteen. I think instead of a... a 
boat with a talking dragon head, uh, a la Wind Waker. I think you just get a little raft uh, floating in the blood. And I think uh, as it hits the surface, uh, spiders begin crawling up out of the blood onto the raft and kind of covering it. These are the nightmare spiders with the shifting eyes and legs. Can I conjure up a, a drain? I want to conjure up a drain in this room. That's what I was about to get to. All right, you can try. Ah, uh, no, nine. Nope, not. So you begin, uh, genius, a flood of spiders begin coming up out of the blood and biting you. Ow! You have the boat! Uh, you take four damage. Aze, you are walking through this beautiful countryside in the new world, literally with their last gasp of power and life. The old gods of Dungeons and Dragons built this for you and all the people living to enjoy. But all you feel in your heart is emptiness and despair. And I think you hear a voice say, come on, Jack. What's the, what's the matter? This ain't your style? Come on. You know exactly why I'm displeased with being here. Uh, I think you can like turn and look over your shoulder and you see following... Uh, at a, a, a sensible distance to avoid being hit is the Baku, and it's walking with like a spring in its step. It's a uh, snout kind of f- flicking at the air and s- sniffing this beautiful, fresh uh, environment. Just really digging it. This is a creature that lives in the dream world. Having uh, Enjoying the physical world is actually a cool novelty for him, uh, but he's, he's grinning wickedly and says, Do your meals always give you this, this much trouble? Seems like a hassle. You'd be surprised by how difficult it is to unroot certain vegetables before cooking them. But even then, I I was not planning on making this easy for you. What are you going to do? I've seen your village. You folks don't even have a jail. You don't have a hooskow. What are you going to do with me? I'm glad Arze's getting asked this question. The rest of us are doofuses. <laughs> My first and primary thought is, why why the accelerationism here? Why accelerate the development of these nightmares? You're merely going to run out of food, and then you'll have to find another community to prey upon. It cannot be a sustainable approach to this situation. You don't know what you're talking about, man. I haven't seen a juicy village like this in some time. This is the jackpot, Jack. If it weren't for our intervention, then it seems that some of the individuals that you were going to prey upon would have perished, and in their perishing, you would be left with no nightmares to feast upon, no dreams to indulge in, no fantasies to frolic upon with your foul your foul attempts at fraternal antics. What are you taking me for, a sucker? I know that when a nightmare kills a person, that just gives it that extra seasoning, the fear from their death. Gives it that, that little. So is this strictly hedonism on your part or is it survival? It's what I do, man. It's what I eat. You judge your anteater for eating ants? It's what they do. They do it for survival. Do they? But do they? But an anteater will not eat colonies at such an abrupt rate to completely starve themselves of food supply. Your tactics seem unsustainable, especially if it takes this much work to get what must be a finite bounty of dreams to indulge upon. 
Nah, hit the road, man. You don't know nothing. A lot of villages out there. Oh, I can live a whole year on just you couple of you folks. Then I'll move on. So how have your meals been so far? Hopefully they've been dissatisfying enough for your taste. Mmm, spicy. So what do you think you're going to get out of me while I'm here? I'm interested to see where this goes. And I think at this point, uh, your nightmare reaches a more specific part. I guess I want to I give Skitch the floor. Uh, you've written some in-universe fiction and so forth, so I think you're more... Uh, equipped what what do you see at the end of this lonely walk so in the walk there is there's been there have been passing through um various bits of things fantastical forests plains vistas of lakes and such and in one forest there is a clearing by um some smaller mountain of sorts and there is a cave that can be seen in the clearing and that cl- that cave is where Aze looks towards when when commented by the Baku, and the question is, is there anything significant happening there or no? Well, yeah. So so my thought is that there is absolutely something significant in the cave, but every time in the nightmare that you get there and you see what's inside, that's when you wake up. Hmm. And so I think uh, the the Baku like desperately says like, "Come on, man, tell us what's inside the cave. I need that last little that little sprig. I need that 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 side. I need that side dish. I need that that garnish. I need it to complete the meal. What's in the cave?" Um. So my plan is conjuring something a little intangible, mm-hmm. and that would be conjuring the most non nightmaric outcome to this scenario in his mind. Um, oh, so you twist the ending of the yes. nightmare. Yes. Okay. So yeah. um, so with advantage, because I think uh, the, the Baku is so uh, ravenous for the misery at the end of this nightmare, when you enter the cave together, mm-hmm. uh, you, if, you've, if you pull a twist and it's the opposite of the thing you fear, I think that would be extremely distasteful for him. Mm-hmm. So what would the role here be? Intelligence? Yep. Okay, intelligence with advantage. That would be a 20. That's it. So paint me the picture. This is going to do psychic damage to the Baku because it's like your mouth's watering for a a delicious bite of your favorite food and someone just puts just like hot trash in there. Um, In short, um, normally when when Aze reaches this cave and looks inside of it, there is... A body on the ground, a a the body of a goblin that is motionless and almost certainly perished. That is not what is seen when Aze and the Baku enter the cave. They enter the cave, and the cave is set up like a home. There is a bed, there is a table, there are charts set up on the wall. There is um, a figure in robes and and such at the table uh, uh, working on something there and seeming very much alive and well. And 
in essence, instead of somebody being, instead of this individual being dead in the cave, they are very much alive and living what appears to be the happiest life they could be living here. Yeah, I think the goblin looks to you, Aze, as you enter the cave and says, Hey there, Aze! <laughs> you fucker. <laughs> it's my goblin voice, bitch! What do you want? Um, this is how goblins sound! Ozzy <laughs> uh, 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 sees the goblin regard them and just has a a, a, a weak but uh, a smile that is both that's not like a big smile but it's a smile that is working through tears and difficulties and just says it's it's good to see you Voya as you say that the Baku recoils in disgust and says ah Ah, you're a flimflam man! I knew it! Uh, and the dream dissolves, and you are tumbling into a ocean of blood. Um, yeah, so I'll have Ozzy just, like, land in the in the boat with everyone else while the, uh... No, the boat's full of spiders. Well, that's fine. He, he doesn't kill especially <laughs> the spiders. He just lands in the boat with all the spiders, okay? Uh-huh. That's fine. And just snaps a bit of, like, uh, what, what, uh, <sighs> What's going on in here? Blood. Oh, yeah, bl- blood. Blood. Gallons. Gallons of the stuff. I take it that the chalkboard is still accessible, though, to work with, right? Yeah, so the, right now the blood is high enough. It's like, you know, chest high. You're probably all having to, you know, float if you are not in, on the raft with the spiders. Uh, the blood should have wiped the chalk off the board, but it hasn't. The dream logic has preserved the dots and the pictures and the, the chalk itself. Aze is going to immediately, like, swim slash, you know, tread over to the chalkboard, grab the chalk that's there, because of course there is, um... Use his thumb to like wipe away the errant markings that were made there by uh, the genius from earlier, and then quickly draw uh, four constellations underneath each of the figures. Well, here's the thing, because you have you have successfully divined my puzzle, but I don't know that the the party members have been forthcoming to Aze about what they're their birth signs have been. Mm. So I think uh, as the room fills up, there's some there's some discussion that needs to happen before it reaches the top. Well, at the very least, Ozzy will draw out the sign underneath them. 100%. And so, yeah, so what, what the others will see is Ozzy definitely drawing a pair of signs underneath the little hobgoblin figure, and those being a... Um, the top features a scroll and the bottom features a tree. And um, as he noted to Hale several episodes ago, this would be the sign of the lineage. Yep, and it gl- and it glows with a magic as if it's accepted by the chalkboard. I, I feel like from the look you're giving me, like I'm supposed to know what my one of these is. <laughs> you don't need to know it directly, but I can probably discern it with some questioning with some prying is the blood by the way austin is the blood still happening and getting worse so so right now it's a race can you get your horoscope done before you drown in blood <laughs> also the the krampus is still here uh swimming through the blood and is going to attack Aze. so the sonic music's going okay give me that personality quiz go 
So Aze will shift over to a different part of the board um, and draw out the two sets of four signs. So the uh, so on the lower half, you see a, the tree, you see the eye, the wing, and the serpent are the four that are drawn there. And then above them, kind of in the same positioning, you then have the leaf, um, a set of scales, like things to weigh things on a hand, and then like a scroll that could hold in from like, you know, like a, you know, a paper scroll of sorts. Do, do we need to know what they all mean, or do we just pick ones that feel right? They all have varied meanings. So if you want to ask about any of them or the combinations, you may feel free to do so. Tree hand. So Aze looks at uh, Slime. Slime motions to tree and hand and draws it out while remarking, this combination is known as the ancestor. The tree, brand, the tree reaching from the past into the future for a lifeline and the hand reaching through time to exert influence to those in the future. Slime was there when the gods died. <laughs> I wasn't a part of it, just happened to be around. What does is, what is the wings mean? The wing tends to mean freedom and expression in particular. Creativity, especially. I like the wings. Hmm. And on the other end, what was scales? Scales is usually done for things like uh, exchanges is a big one. In fact, the wing and the the wing and the scales is in fact called the exchange. Usually, exchanging of either commerce, ideas, feelings, and those sort of matters. Yeah. In many ways, this does seem to match well with you. You exchange food and sustenance from to others while they exchange with you good vibes. Yeah, wings and scales, I think. Indeed. So that would make you the exchange. And Ozzy draws like deftly on the board underneath Neolith, which then leaves the only spot to the genius of Grendel. This seems like the the kind of thing that the genius would have absolutely zero interest in. <laughs> What's the third sign? Um, the third sign would be wing, and then combine that boy with the fourth sign. Oh my god, Chris is rolling for it. <laughs> um, that's so funny. He's he's letting fate decide. Okay. <laughs> So I think, uh, as the genius just says, th third side, fourth side. I think the Krampus uh, gets to you, Aze. Uh, it has a, uh, a a crossbow bolt through its stomach, and it tries to uh, like wrestle you down beneath the blood to drown you. Uh, strength contests, first of all. All right, uh, Aze rolls a five. We'll see what the Krampus got. Seven. So it was close, but the Krampus does drag you down under the blood. Mm. Uh, party, before uh, before Ozzy could finish the, the puzzle, the Krampus begins drowning him. What do you do? I summon Jack Skellington. Okay, roll intelligence to summon Jack Skellington, uh, a legally distinct and non-copyright infringing. Eleven. Skak Jellington. Okay. <laughs> you rolled an 11, which is enough to summon a skeleton, but I think there isn't any connective tissues and the bones are all separate. 
Uh, so he's not very helpful with an 11. Can I throw his head into the water and have him bite the Krampus? Yeah, make an attack roll. 23! Fuck me. Yep. For genius, describe how Jack Skellington, with no connective tissue, defeats the Krampus. Uh, I want to launch him on another arrow, but this time, instead of a boxing glove, it's just Jack Skellington's biting face. Can it be Sack Jellington? Oh, this is, uh, Jock Skellerson. Okay. Uh, Jock (laughs) Skellerson. Fucking hell. (laughs) I hate you. Sack Jellington, uh, bites the Krampus' jugular out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, it's only adding more blood to our problem. (laughs) Yeah, the blood's reaching the ceiling. I summon a tampon. Oh no! God damn it! <laughs> finish the finish the puzzle. Well, we can't. We're drowning. We have some of the tampon. Also, while we were fighting that thing, I have to do Google searches sometimes when we play this game. I had to learn whether blood is good at conducting electricity. Uh huh. What did you What did you learn? It is. It contains you know salts, iron, and, yeah, like uh, iron and stuff. It contains metal and salts, and it's a liquid. It's perfect. For electrocutions. Okay, so I I can tell from Skitch's uh, performance that the random rolls did not match up with Genus's personality as established. So uh, rather than think of this as an impediment, I think this could be an interesting uh, character choice to ignore the Genius's input and do what you feel anyway, or to go along with it and knowingly fail. Or maybe it works. I don't know. All are potentially interesting choices. Nothing. There's no wrong choice. I'm curious what happens. Okay, does that stop the blood? <laughs> so, you, yeah, you can mark down the wrong one. Nothing happens. And then you have to disregard a genius's obstinacy to do it correctly. Or do you work together? So, Ozzy could draw those two signs underneath the, the, you know, the goblin, you know, and it doesn't do anything when, when that's done. And so Ozzy will just mutter instantly, we need to determine the correct sign, genius. And like at this point, the blood goes over your mouth, both of you. And now it's just, we're here. Ozzy looks, he looks at the genius of Grendel for a moment. And then uh, the word time sort of echoes in his head a few times a bit over and over and then the chalk goes over to the board and then two signs are drawn underneath uh the genius's caricature Um, on the bottom is an eye and above it is a hand what sign is that that would be known as the horologist or the watchmaker uh a confused shrug because it's like, uh, yeah, that's sure. I do like time and watches. <laughs> yeah, I think at this point, uh, the the blackboard melts away as if it was like a stopper in this tub of blood. And you all are swept away in a vortex through the blackboard and into a, a waterfall of blood off of this, out of this room and into the next where the Baku awaits. Um, you all, um, you fall slowly at, you know, dream logic. And so when you land at the bottom, um, you aren't injured, but there is in addition to all the blood here, just a seemingly endless pile of junk 
stretching in all directions. It's like a very shallow swamp of blood with d just garbage, like food waste, broken machinery, uh, every possible uh, bit of garbage and trash and junk. Um, I think at some point you may have caught on that the classroom was a dream of the governor. Mm. Governor Gigi, who used to be a, a, a school teacher. Mm. Uh, this almost certainly is Shoko's dream. Uh, these people didn't go to the Dogberry, so theirs didn't manifest in the in the village as a tulpa. Their dreams have remained here, and you have been traveling through them. Um, but you were all like land in a bloody heap in this endless swamp of trash. Uh, did my tampon actually manifest? Sure, Mari. Just for I you. I rolled a twenty-three, by the way. Yeah. No, a so big it's a tampon. Really good... It's all yours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hand my tampon to Neelith to comfort them. So. <laughs> uh, Neelith will um, find a subtle way to not hold on to it. Okay. Ozzy will ask, like, how, uh, I, didn't, I didn't notice any blood before I disappeared. How did that even happen in the first place? Yes, I connected all of the lines. That was a reckless decision that put the rest of us in a bit more uh, duress than necessary. Yes, but you had gone missing, so you needed to do something. I was hoping to be able to provide some insight, but uh, the was swept away. Needless to say, thankfully, we were able to come up with the correct solution to that. I had to... Waver my last guess after doing what I normally would do in a consultation with you with or anyone else. I had to run through all the options in my head after you frivolously chose the wing and scroll. I was thinking that, that couldn't be right. So. Why could it not be right? You said the wings express creativity. I am creative. It, there, it, you have you, there may be creativity in your work, but it's not the most prominent facing feature of yours. I'm glad it all worked out. They're all just pictures to me. <sighs> they may be pictures to you, but they confer deep wisdom about each of us, about who we are, what we are destined to be, about the world around us. They exude influence upon us. Well, I'm glad it works for you. It just seems silly to me. If he can cast great spells with it, doesn't that make it real? Sure. Does that mean I have to acknowledge every part of it? Yes. I just think it's weird for things to be important because of the day you are born. It's not merely the day you're born. That's a simplistic reduction of it. The date of birth has part of influence on it. But significant moments in one's lives can change which signs aren't benefic or malefic for them. <sighs> Specific grand events around the world can change the relationships of the signs, thus ex exuding influence upon those that are witness to their combinations. <sighs> Beyond that, they, the motions push and move various bodies through the ethereal realms in order to guide how we move in our own realm. Genius, I, I'm not going to insist that you have to 
believe in everything that 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 Aze believes in, but I mean, it's pretty clear you did just throw two things out without really thinking about it in the moment, or at least that's how it came across. Like, it would it have killed you to have paid attention to Aze explaining the things and to have tried in a situation where we were all maybe gonna die? It is a situation where these symbols are put to be representative of who we are. I am a being of chaos. I thought chaotically choosing them would be a spiritual way of interpreting that. <laughs> and in oh. the worst case scenario, when that fails, I had faith that Aze would know what to do. Out of character, I fucking love that answer. That's wonderful. <laughs> That's great. I think your confidence at this uh, stirs like the psychic eddy of energy in this endless uh, trash heap. Um, and I think uh, you, as someone who's attuned to the psionics, Neelith, feel this. And I think uh, the machine is granting you a vision of something moving as well, genius. And so you two like, basically snap to attention. Something is moving out here. I think, genius, you feel uh, a twinge in the needle-tipped glove uh, from this vision you've seen before. You know that's important. Uh, Neelith, I think Ruth's words echo in your ears. Uh, it's... You've reached the end of the journey. This is where whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Just remember, it is an awesome feeling to smash your past behind you. Crush it beneath your metaphorical steel fist, or sometimes literal one. <laughs> As you say that, there's like a tremor from beneath the garbage, and I think the form of the Baku, but many, many times bigger, begins rising out of the garbage, which is cascading off of him and, you know, avalanches of smashed uh, household appliances and furniture and rinds and pits and every other kind of detritus here. Um, and as the Baku, with a wide grin on his face, kind of rises out of the garbage, you see in front of him, he is summoning... A small goblin, a Alhoon, the white illithid with the dry, cracked skin, and what is simply a, a sentient fire, which begins burning up the trash heap towards you, igniting the, the stagnant, shallow blood. I mean, we fought these ones before, we can do it again. I can do this all day, sister. This is my world. Hmm. I'm noticing a distinct lacking of something here. I ain't gonna get fooled again. Putting my cilantro in my stew. <laughs> I would like to cast a debuff. And I would like it to come in the form of me summoning a confident female Baku. Is that the right word? <laughs> Are you saying you wanna you you wanna try to conjure in the dream realm a sexy Baku? Not is a sexy one, a a confident female one that is indifferent. Oh, to, to intimidate Nikki. him. Yeah. Okay. I didn't mean for this whole thing to be like a parody of a kind of guy. I just thought it would be a funny voice to do. But okay, it's sure. It's too late. You <laughs> described them with a fedora. So I mean, you did literally ask, "What's the virgin hat?" It gets away from me sometimes when you're in the role play moment. Roll Mari. Mm -hmm. All right. So I have, I'm casting Rave and Feeblement. So that's a hit plus seven. Hold on. Oh, okay. We're, yeah. Because I know that you didn't want us to do too many. So I'm, I'm trying to. 
No, it's fine. All good. This is a this is a very strong spell. Uh, seven or ten. Just let me have this. <laughs> I have to just let you have this. Well, I mean, Neilith is a bard. You do have uh, inspiration die, don't you? Uh, seven. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, we established at the start of this dream dream episode um, that slime was made to wear clothes when we got into the classroom. <laughs> uh, uh, in a in a totally non sexual way, Neelith is going to think very hard to unmanifest those clothes. <laughs> I'm okay. no longer sensory overloaded. I can fully concentrate on this. Exactly! I'm glad you get what I'm doing. Okay, so to be clear, Slime, are you still summoning a confident Baku, or are you doing yes, a ra- a confident Baku who has <laughs> that has similar interests to the Baku but it knows more. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I see knows where this more is. about all of it. Uh, and so the Baku is uh, trying to conjure like uh, against you to unconjure your your vision of this, and then <laughs> Neilith comes up behind you and rips her clothes off. I mean, like magically, but yes, that doesn't make it better, Laura. But it's fine. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, is it, it, look? If you want a confident and powerful inspired slime clothes, no go. <laughs> it's too much. So this ray of enfeeblement takes the the form of a confident Baku, which intimidates uh, your enemy into uh, hesitating, uh, and he temporarily loses control of the nightmares. The Alhoon, the Fire, and the Goblin. Uh, what do you do? I think the genius, you have this vision from the machine of you plunging your needle-tipped glove into one of them and basically taking it. It's power, basically doing what the Baku is doing, but now you're in charge. And I and remember, Neilith, you it, Ruth explained to you an egregore where basically everybody in the village comes together and controls kind of a dream creature. Yeah. Um. Ne- Neilith at this point has no reason to assume that's not still the plan. So Neilith is Neilith is hard at work making that dream Voltron. Uh So I have this vision that the machine wants me to do this and I am going to take the glove and I'm going to throw it as hard as I can at the creature. (laughs) Okay. It goes flying through the air and slashes the goblin. Um, Just you nail them in the head with it, Uh, but that does not do what the machine wants and the visions disappear. Neelith, you connect uh, to these these tulpas, and you you have a psionic connection with the the group as an illithid. So together, describe to me the form this takes, because an egregore is kind of like a a, a guardian angel, almost a spirit of a place. It's like the mascot of Grendel. The way that this works basically is that there will be a a good tulpa, not that tulpas are inherently evil, just that the way the Baku uses them is evil, but a good tulpa that protects the village. What does this look like? And I, all of you are psionically uh, responsible for this together. It is morphing time. <laughs> it is morphing time. Um, I like the thought that this is, that this creature is somehow assembled out of Positive things that have positive associations for everyone in in the group. So, like, if I was if I was gonna start assembling this, uh, for as from earlier in the episode, the the the, the trophy might be the torso of this 
thing. Does anyone have anything that they would like to to add to this amalgam of a creature? Can the face be shaped like the genius of Grendel's face? Yes, it can. It can be shaped like the genius of Grendel's ship. And every time after the robot protects somebody's dreams, it goes down on one knee and then explodes. Yes, <laughs> that is the cool dramatic ending of everyone's dreams oh now. Uh, each of the each of the four limbs that extend from it um, have each of the Moist Watch's constellations forming across them. Oh, I really like that. That's really nice. So you have yeah the lineage, the horologist, the ancestor, and the exchange all converging into this body here. Mine will be the left leg, and it'll be a pile of rotting corpses, but all of their <laughs> eyes shine just like sun, moon, stars. Oh. <laughs> this is funny, because like, the historical examples of this are like the, the tutelary deities of cities. Like, Athena is one for Athens. Yours is a terrible uh, Frankenstein of a trophy, a robot, corpses, and uh, zodiacs. With glowing eyes. And it explodes at the end. Let, let me let me finish how I want to wrap this together. I want all of this to be sort of encased in just enough of a magical glowing light that it could conceivably be seen as like a blinding angel until you get close to it. And it's like, oh, that's a, that's a trophy and a, oh, that's the genius's head. Okay, cool. <laughs> Maybe we should step back a bit and look at it from a distance again. <laughs> All the paintings of this would be done in overwhelming light. <laughs> a lot of bloom. <laughs> so, so the name for a group thought creature or thought creation is an egregore, but another name for a protective spirit of a specific place is a genius loci. <laughs> I did not plan that in conjunction with Chris's character name. That's a complete and total coincidence. Coincidence. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but yeah, so th we have formed Dream Voltron. Uh, together, paint me the picture of it uh, taking care of the Baku, because as the Baku pointed out earlier, Grendel doesn't have jails. So I, Austin Yorsky, do not know what you're going to do with this guy. Uh, I have an idea. Uh, mm. You provide them a... Uh, a psychic dream mental dish so satisfying so filling so uh so enticing <gasps> that it destroys their interest in hounding people's nightmares because it will never taste as good in comparison oh goodness i overwhelm this thing with oh no nightmares just don't taste good anymore because i've i've had the dream meal <laughs> So the Grendel Egregor is the like the patron saint of chefs? Because that's another form, patron saints of places. This magical amalgam creature that only looks horrifying if you get close enough to see past the bloom lighting um, cooks up just this radiating ball of energy and presents it to the Baku. Um, and just steps back and watches as it uncontrollably consumes this thing, this, this ball of energy, and just seems to lose interest in everything else. Well, shucks, lady. 
This is the bee's knees. It's the cat's pajamas. No, it's the ferret's stylish hat. Hopefully, after a meal like this, you'll have had your just desserts. And you won't be coming for seconds anytime soon. I was following the pack, all swallowed in their coats, with scars of red tied round their throats to keep their little heads from falling in the snow. And I turned round, and there you go. And Michael, you would fall and turn the white snow red and strawberries in the summertime.